Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to episode 45 of the Morning Round Trip Podcast. My name is Drew Frank, joined here by my co-host, as always, Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. Here on August 24th, we have a couple of depth trades to lead off our show. First, we'll start off with Dan Vogelbach being traded from Seattle to Toronto. Now, a lot of people see this as a bit of a peculiar move because Vogelback, first off, wasn't hitting in Seattle, and there's a reason he got DFA'd last week. He had a horrendous end to his 2019 and started 5 for 53. That was not going to cut it. So now all of a sudden, he's a Toronto Blue Jay. And they already have 25-year-old Rowdy Telez, so 27-year-old Dan Vogelback isn't necessarily that much older, but certainly isn't any younger. Both guys that were seen as top prospects coming up, Vogelback had a lot more prospect glimmer than Telez, but since Telez has come up, he hasn't shown the ability to really reach base and get on base. Last year, we saw him put up a sub-300 on base percentage in over 400 plate appearances, and that's not going to fly as a first baseman. On the other hand, Vogelback, a guy that actually can draw the walk, he's walked 92 times last year alone, which is more than double Telez's entire career. I think if the Jays make this trade, it must be because they saw something in the video they think they can fix. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this might be a a reclamation project of sorts. Like you said, they must have seen something in the video. We know how important Toronto was to Jose Bautista's career. And now, obviously, I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying that the Blue Jays do have the potential to allow players to retool their swings and work on their mechanics to find, you know, another level, another gear. And Vogelbach, I guess, has shown flashes of being capable at the big league level, but uh, he wasn't doing that this year or really since the All-Star break of last year. So I do think there must be something that the Jays saw on tape or there must be something that they saw at some point last season where they were like, okay, this is something we can work with. We'll see how this goes. Could be interesting. All that Seattle gets back is cash consideration, so doesn't seem like the expense here for Toronto is too high to begin with. We also saw another trade from Tampa to San Fran as former first-round pick Daniel Robertson is on the move. Guy that can play all around the infield and a little bit of a corner outfield if you absolutely need him to. 26 years old now, so the prospect hype is gone guy that wasn't playing in Tampa Bay, and he'll probably just be a depth piece in San Fran, but worth noting, and I'm sure with one week left to the trade deadline, we will see a whole lot more of these types of trades over the next week. Injury updates, we saw Francisco Cervelli, who had been a big piece of that Marlins team, head to the IL with a concussion, but the timing for them works out kind of nicely because Jorge Alfaro is just returning from the COVID IL so he can take over primary catching duties for them. For the Blue Jays, Matt Shoemaker heads the IL with shoulder inflammation, and that adds on to Nate Pearson and Trent Thornton, who appears to be banged up as well. And John Paul Morosi is suggesting as a result that they'll likely be buying in terms of starting pitchers at the deadline. This Jays team looks to be set up for a playoff run as they seem to be comfortably in control of that second wildcard spot as of right now. And as long as they can beat out Texas, LA, Baltimore, and KC, looks like they'll be playing some baseball in October this year. 
We discussed it on the show yesterday that Matt Boyd might be looking for a way out of Detroit with some solid play down the stretch. And hey, Pearson and Thornton are both guys who slot in in that number four, number five role in a Jays rotation. And I think Matt Boyd could fill that role perfectly. It's definitely going to be a seller's market because there's also reports coming out as well yesterday that Cincinnati and Texas, who have both had very tough starts through the year, want to stay competitive. And neither of them will be selling. Trevor Bauer, who's on expiring deal and has been lights out all season, he's not going anywhere. Texas not moving anyone. So we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see where things go with that. But on the field, we had a busy day yesterday as we saw many games all across the country. But the most exciting one, in my opinion, was in Chicago because this was a game that came right down to the wire. The White Sox trying to take the third and final game of the series and sweep the Cubs at Wrigley. And they tried to do it behind a pretty strong start from Dylan Cease. Again, looking better and better. He throws a quality start going six strong, only allowing four hits and two runs. The two runs would come via a Kyle Schwarber home run in the sixth inning. But on the other side of things, Darvish was even better. I mentioned quality start for Cease, but an absolutely stunning, dazzling start from you, Darvish. He picks up 10 strikeouts in seven innings. The only blemish he makes all game long was a solo shot from Jose Abreu, who himself just seems completely unstoppable, almost to a point where I don't even know if you can blame Darvish when you've got a guy as hot as Abreu. Well, I mentioned on the show yesterday, Abreu was going to be a problem. Luckily, he was the only problem that Darvish would face in this one. You mentioned the home runs, but I think you, Darvish, has just been so, so good for the Cubs in the last two seasons. And it was getting to a point for Cubs fans where he didn't perform in the first year that you signed him to that massive deal. And, you know, there was a little bit of rumbling about, okay, well, what do we do in a couple of years when this guy gets on an age? And if he continues to perform like this, we're going to need to find a way out of this contract. But I mean, hey, do I dare to say that this is the U Darvish of old? This is the U Darvish that we saw in his first few seasons in Texas. I mean, the guy's got a pitch repertoire that'll make your head spin. He's got movement that goes to both sides of the plate. He goes up, down, he changes speeds with the best of them. And I thought you Darvish probably pitched one of his best games, if not the best game he's pitched all season in this one. And the Cubs were trying to get him run support. The shot from Abreu came before Schwarber's home run, so they did trail one nothing for a while. They tried in the fourth. Rizzo looked like he had scored, but was called out on a review. And then they stranded the bases loaded in the fifth, and it wasn't until Schwarber's shot in the sixth where they finally got something going. And then... That would be it on the scoreboard as the game finished 2-1, but this got very dramatic late as Chicago, the White Sox, I guess I I can't just say Chicago, but the White Sox had two on and two out in the eighth, and Jeffress got out of it, and then they loaded the bases in the ninth, still a one-run game, and barely got out of it after a ball drop foul very tense moment very exciting but ultimately the Cubs do fly the W at the end of the day let me tell you something man as a as a Cubs fan watching David Bodie trip on a on a concrete piece of the dugout before he tries to field the ball over by that Cubs dugout it's Huh. I don't want to say it's Bartman-esque because obviously it's two different scenarios, but it would just be so Cubs. It would be so Cubs to lose a game because David Bodie tripped on some concrete that just happens to be in play. Like, I, oh my God, 
the, the, the pessimism that I have with this team. Like, I obviously, I didn't pick them to win uh, when we did our predictions yesterday. I'll, no, I'll never complain about losing a prediction when the Cubs win, but it's just, you can you can see. They, they lose a couple of games, and all of a sudden, it's hit the panic button. It's trade everybody. It's, it's we're not going to make the playoffs. It's, all oh, man, I don't care how far we are in, out in front. Ah, this was this was not good for my heart rate, man. This game was stressful. <laughs> Out west, we saw the Padres continue their domination over the Texan teams. They complete a three-game sweep over the Houston Astros, winning this one five to three. And the Astros got out in front early, going up 3-0 in the very first inning. But then the Padres would shut this whole thing down with their bullpen. We saw, again, the piggyback between Adrian Morhan and a multi-inning relief from Patino. Morhan, not so great, but Patino in his relief looked very good. He goes two and a third, allowing just one hit, no run. The whole bullpen allowed no runs, as after Morhan allowed three in just an inning and two-thirds, Patino, Quantrill, Hill, Stammen, and Pagan combined to go seven and a third scoreless. But even with all that pitching, it, this game was still close because of how good Granky looked. Zach Granky was Zach Granky. I talked about in the preview yesterday that you would almost have to wait until he got out of the game to put up some runs. But the San Diego Padres wasted no time. They were able to put up three runs on him through Granky's six innings of work. But I mean. I mean, when Granky's dropping in 54-mile-an-hour EFAS pitches and then changing speeds after that with an 89-mile-an-hour fastball right in the corner to ring you up, there isn't much <laughs> you can do. Granky was Granky in this one. Some interesting scenes as he decided to walk off the mound <laughs> to allow for some maintenance on his landing spot and on the pitching rubber. So uh, some confusion there as he just decided that he didn't want to play baseball until it was fixed. I mean, you are a veteran. You get to... You get to determine the conditions you play under in some circumstances. So a great job pitching from Greinke in this one. But man, this Houston team just continues to slide against these red-hot Padres. And a two-run shot from Machado in the eighth inning wins this game for them late. Astros now 0-8 against teams over 500. Padres, I said it before, they win seven straight. They're now 7-0 again in interleague games, and they continue that stretch, or hope to continue that stretch, with starting a three-game series against Seattle tonight. So keep an eye out for that one. In the American League West, we saw another walk-off win by the A's. Man, these late comebacks for them have just continued to keep on coming. This one's 5-4 to four as Oakland knocks off the Angels. The last time these two teams will meet all year long, unless the Angels can do something tricky and sneak into playoffs. But currently, the worst record in the American League. That isn't looking too likely. But in this one, the pitching basically canceled each other out. And the lines look very similar. Both pitchers allowed seven hits and both pitchers allowed four runs. A little bit different in Bundy's case. He goes five and two thirds. Two of the runs are unearned. So the line still looks pretty good. He was just an out away from recording a quality start. Walks just one, strikes out six. So there are still signs you like from Bundy. Frankie Montes, again, put up a similar line. He also allowed four runs. This time only through four and two thirds, but the A's bullpen is known for its strength and the two bullpens evened out until the 10th inning when ultimately it would be the difference because Liam Hendricks starts out the 10th inning on the mound for Oakland, gets out of the runner on second situation, back to the dugout safely, gets the A's back on the sticks 
and Marciano once again another walk-off hit for him this time he doesn't even need a base hit because they're able to get the free runner from second over the thirds and as this game was still tied all he needed was a sack fly and off tie Buttry that was actually the only out Buttry would get in the inning so not a great look from him but at the end of the day you needed the bats to do something late and Oakland's were the only ones that were able to get something going it's almost the way you draw it up right I mean the guy's on so you just got to get him over and get him in and that's what Mark Canna did with a sack fly into center field I mean obviously when you've got Mike Trout out there there's no automatic sack fly but that being said I do think that this Oakland team isn't making it easy on themselves you'd like to see a little bit more run production from their lineup maybe earlier in the game but Man, like you talk about Anthony Rendon as an acquisition for the Angels and the fact that he was supposed to be the guy that really put them over the edge, right? That really set them apart from anyone else in the American League West. He's got a 13-game hitting streak, but Mike Trout in this series against the A's has been struggling. And we saw Mike Trout strike out in this one, uh, looking on a really nice breaking ball. We saw him fly into center field. It ended up dropping, but Ramon Laureano made a really nice play. So it ends up just being a fielder's choice for him. But on the other side, I think the, the A's have been getting production from the guys you'd almost expect it. We mentioned Mark Canna earlier on, and we mentioned Mark Canna earlier in the show a couple of days ago, right? He's just been one of those guys that continues to find uh, a time to come up clutch, to come up big for this A's team. And Matt Chapman has an extra base hit in five straight games in this one, and he's only trailing two guys in the major leagues for barreling the ball. So solid production from those guys, but man, the skid continues for the Angels and they have not looked good. Rest of the league, we saw Betts showing off why he got that big extension and all of that money. Dodgers win 11-3 over Colorado. The team combines to hit seven home runs, and that's at Dodger Stadium, not Coors Field, mind you. Mookie Betts picks up two of those seven home runs, goes three for five, the pair of long balls, scores three times, drives in three runs, and steals two bases while he's at it. Quite a day for Mookie Betts. The two home runs move him to 11 on the season, just one shy of Tatis for that MLB lead. We saw Justin Dunn, the Seattle Mariners, a team we've been talking about a little bit of late, had a no-no watch going. All the way into the fifth against Texas, finished with six innings pitched, no runs, one hit, six strikeouts. Very nice performance from him. His teammate Kyle Lewis hit a home run early on, his seventh on the year. He's now on an eight-game hit streak, and a guy that I wasn't so sure of, but he's looking like he could be one of the biggest stars of this rebuild. He's now in that eight-game hit streak I mentioned, hitting 583 with three home runs and almost a 1,700 OPS. He leads the AL on the season with a 456 on base percentage. Just super special at the plate so far. And it's always good to see guys like this because on rebuilding teams like the Mariners, you want at least one or two bright spots you can point to to watch. I mean, we've seen this around the league, right? I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. out in San Diego, Bo Bichette in Toronto. Whenever you have these teams that aren't expected to do exceptionally well, you always look for those one or two key pieces that are able to deliver in seasons like this for the Mariners. Another young talent we saw in Philadelphia, Alec Bohm hit his first career home run straight away to center field against the Braves last night on the national broadcast on ESPN. So a nice little moment for him there. 
Philadelphia would come away with the win in this one, but it was close. 5-3 right up until the last play of the game, where an RBI double from Freeman drove in the runner from third. Swanson tried to score all the way from first to tie it, but the relay guns down Swanson at the plate for the final out to end this one. Very exciting game, very exciting finish, and Philly very narrowly takes this one as Workman picks up a save for the Phillies. And how about the NL Central just getting crazier? Milwaukee, a lot of people had finishing first or second in that division. Some people saw them as better than the Cardinals and Reds pretty handily. And they just got swept by the Pirates. We saw Gregory Polanco leading the way for the Pirates yesterday in the final game of that sweep. Going two for three, hitting a home run, driving in two, scoring twice, walking and stealing two bases while he's at it. Quite a line, a little bit of everything for him. And the guy that flies under the radar, but he actually has the third highest average exit velocity in the entire MLB. He's, he's a guy who's big and strong, and when he puts the barrel on the ball, it's going to go a long, long way. Now, obviously, some of struggles he's had in the past couple of years have sort of quieted down the hype of uh, El Cafe, one of those guys that the Pittsburgh Pirates fans were really looking forward to seeing play. But, you know, he's a guy who's sort of been able to pick things back up. But if you're the Brewers, this is embarrassing. These are the Pittsburgh Pirates. You're supposed to be winning these games, and you get swept. How are you going to contend in the Central if you can't beat this team? And now they're in trouble because they're going up against the Reds and seeing the top half of that rotation. They'll start tonight at 8.10 p.m. Eastern as Trevor Bauer visits Miller Park against Brett Anderson. And I've got Bauer taking this one. It's tough, but I don't think the Brewers start a winning streak here, and I think the skid continues. I think it's difficult to try to start any kind of winning streak against a guy who leads the major leagues in ERA, Trevor Bauer, rocking a 0.68 earned run average with 41 strikeouts on the year. He's 3-0, and and he's looked so good anytime he's gone out and pitched. I think you have to take Trevor Bauer in this one, so you've got to take the Reds. Bauer gunning for a record, looking for the most strikeouts for a Red starter through five starts to start a year. Speaking of history, we saw Maeda make history in his last start, setting Twins franchise records for consecutive strikeouts, and he's back on the mound against the Indians as they visit Progressive Field against Aaron Savali tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. Two top teams in the Central, who you got in this one? This is the battle of two very interesting pitchers. Savali in his last time out was able to pitch a complete game of one run, five hit baseball. But Maeda was just a little bit better in his last time out. But the bullpen ended up losing that win for him. This is a very, very tight matchup because we've seen how potent the Minnesota bats can be. But I think Maeda has just been so good in his starts for the Twins this year. I think he's going to power them to a win in this one. I agree with that. I like the bats on the twin side, and I'll pick them. And in our last game, I like the bats on the Cubs side. As we look at the Cubs versus the Tigers, Casey Mize makes his second career start going up against the other Chicago team after he looked pretty strong against the White Sox in his first start. He faces Mills on the mound for the Cubs, so a different look with two different types of pitchers going. I think the bats of Chicago will prevail, but I'm excited to see more Casey Mize. I don't know, man. Having seen the way this Cubs team has played recently, the bats have been very quiet and you're up against an arm that you haven't really seen too much of apart from that one start against 
the Chicago White Sox. But I just don't think the Detroit Bats are going to be able to do anything against Mills, even though Mills has shown some signs of struggling in his last couple of starts. I think this one is either going to be really close or it's going to be really wide open, but I go with the Cubs over Detroit. Check out those three games and come right back here tomorrow morning to catch our next episode. You can find a show on Twitter at Trip Morning. You can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. And for Drew Frank and Liam Crothers, have a great day, everyone.